It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. There is no doubt that the Bible clearly teaches that heaven is a real place for real people. The question that many have is, when do we get to go to heaven? Now, some say that it happens immediately after we die. Others say there is a waiting time in purgatory, and still others say that it happens when Jesus comes again. When is it that we get to go to heaven? I'd like for us to go on a journey, a journey to ancient Egypt. And there in ancient Egypt, we may discover the secret to immortal life. And we may discover when we will get to go to heaven. Now, why to ancient Egypt? Well, see, in ancient Egyptian culture and religion, the afterlife was very important. In fact, some of the greatest monuments and treasures found in Egypt have been in regard to the afterlife. As we travel back to ancient Egypt and visit some of those tombs, we would find within those tombs coffins, and those coffins would be nested one inside of another. The innermost coffin would contain the embalmed body of the deceased. Now, the embalming process in ancient Egypt involved removing all of the body's fluids, often all of the organs except for the heart. And then the body would be wrapped, and included in that wrap would be placed the Book of the Dead. Now, the Book of the Dead would not have been a book like we think of today, a bound book, but rather it would have been likely on a papyrus scroll. The Book of the Dead was in the Egyptian mind inscriptions to guard and protect the spirit of the dead. As Egyptologists have worked to decipher the book, they have found a ceremony there called the weighing of the heart. The weighing of the heart was an act performed by the gods in which they would weigh the heart of the person who had died to determine their destiny. Friend, aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't work that way? His grace is freely received and can save us to the uttermost. He doesn't measure whether we've done 600 good deeds, but then finds 601 bad deeds and banishes us. No, Jesus stands for us. And as long as we have given him our life, he will save us. During the Egyptian process of preparing the body, at the end of that process, the deceased's mouth would be opened. Why? Well, because they believed that they would need to again be able to eat, breathe, drink, and speak. The Egyptians didn't believe that death was the end. They believed in an afterlife. In fact, the first century historian Herodotus, in his book, The Histories, said this. The Egyptians were the first who maintained the following doctrine, too, that the human soul is immortal. And at death of the body, the soul enters into some other living thing. 
then coming to birth and after passing through all the creatures of the land, sea and air, it enters once more into a human body at birth, a cycle which it completes in 3000 years. So they believed you got this immortal soul that leaves the body and comes back, it reincarnates. There are Greeks who have used this doctrine some earlier and some later as if it were their own. And it is here that we begin to see that an understanding about what happens at death and when we go to heaven is such an important topic. What we begin to see emerge are really two lines of thinking. You have the pagan doctrine of immortality conceived by the Egyptians and handed down to the Greeks, which would become known as Greek dualism, and then that which the Bible teaches about immortality and the afterlife. Two streams, man's thoughts and ideas, then God's true principles. The question is, which will we believe and follow? So what happens when we die and when do we get to go to heaven? The only reliable answer on this topic is found in God's word. So where do we start? The only logical answer is at the beginning. In fact, the only way to understand what happens to a person when they die is to know first how life began. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 tells us of the first human life and how it began. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The King James Version says that man became a living soul. Notice the simple formula that is used here. God took the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. I want you to notice that man doesn't have a soul, but rather he is a soul. The equation is not that complicated. Dust plus spirit equals a living soul. Or even more simply, the elements of the earth plus the breath of God equals a living being. The soul is not some separate conscious entity, but rather it is the very being itself. So the word soul could be simply said to be a person. Now, some say that the soul is immortal. However, from a biblical point of view, that is not the case. A soul is a person. In fact, Ezekiel 18 and verse 4 is quite clear. The soul who sins shall die. The soul is not an immortal entity. It is the person, and a person can die. In fact, some of the more modern versions of the Bible state the person who sins shall die. In the Bible, soul is used in one of two ways. If the Bible is talking about soul as the product of body and spirit together, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He's a living soul. He's a living person, a living being. If the Bible talks about the soul as something I am, it's always I am a living person. Secondly, though, 
if the Bible talks about the souls as something I have, it's always referring to life or the very essence or core of who I am. We have a soul in the sense that we have life, but the soul is not immortal. In fact, none of us are inherently immortal. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 15 tells us that there is only one who is immortal. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords who alone has immortality. It is God alone who has immortality. No one else. In fact, the Bible uses the word soul over 1,500 times and never once it is, is it used in reference or context of an immortal soul. Notice how Jesus himself uses the word soul in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Notice how Jesus uses the word life and soul interchangeably. Soul is never immortal in the Bible. It is a description of the very life of an individual, but not some separate immortal entity. Job chapter 4 and verse 17 is clear when it says these words. Job chapter 4 and verse 17. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? Man is called mortal, not immortal. In fact, Romans chapter 2 and verse 7 give us some instructions. Romans chapter 2 and verse 7. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Please take note, friend, that the scripture is clear that we seek immortality. Why would we need to seek it if we already possessed it? It is because we are not naturally immortal. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that someday that will happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 51 to 54 tell us of that day. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Again, listen to the words of scripture. We must obtain immortal life. When does the Bible say that that will happen? 
at the last trumpet. When is it that that last trumpet is blown? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 leaves little doubt in our mind as to when this event will take place. It takes place at the second coming of Jesus. The Bible is clear, friends. Immortality is not granted to humanity until the second coming of Jesus. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are alone in their possession of eternal life. It is not granted to us until the second coming of Jesus. You see, pagan and Greek dualism has entered the church and brought with it the false teaching that the body and soul are separate entities and that the soul exists eternally. No, friends, the Bible clearly delineates that we are a soul or are a living being and we are mortal. Listen to these words of Strabo, an ancient Greek historian from the first century and philosopher speaking about Christians in his book, Geographica. They invent fables also, after the manner of Plato on the immortality of the soul and on the punishments in Hades or in hell and other things of this kind. Now, early Christian writer Justin Martyr, who was just one generation after the disciples, said these words. If you have fallen in with some who are called Christians, but who do not admit to this truth of the resurrection and venture to blaspheme the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, who say there is no resurrection of the dead and that their souls, when they die, are taken to heaven, do not imagine that they are Christians." Justin Martyr has strong words about an error that had entered the church in its early days. He himself is demonstrating the biblical understanding that a soul is a living person and a person is mortal and shall die. So if the Christian church did not teach that a person would be taken immediately to heaven after death, What does the Bible teach us about death? What we will find is that the Bible teaches that death is simply an unconscious sleep waiting for the return of Jesus. Friend and student of the Bible, death is merely creation in reverse. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7 describes what happens at death. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Death is the cessation of life and entering into an unconscious sleep awaiting the return of Jesus. In ancient Hebrew, the word for spirit and the word for breath are the exact same word. It is the Hebrew word ruach. The spirit or breath is simply a reference to God's life-giving power. When we die, that power is returned to him and there is a ceasing of existence until Jesus comes again. Notice Job. In Job 27.3, that the words spirit and breath are used 
interchangeably, especially in the King James Version, as well as some of the more modern versions. All the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. This interchangeable use demonstrates that the Spirit or breath is the life-giving power of God. We can't live without it. In fact, James chapter 2 and verse 26 says this, James 2 and verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. There is no in-between state, no spirit life. Once we die, we are dead awaiting the wake-up call of Jesus. It's comparable to the building of a box. What, what do you need to build a box? Well, you'll need some boards and you'll need some screws. The formula and the plan for building a box is rather easy. Boards plus screws equal a box. You take away the screws and you simply have boards. You take away the boards and you have screws. Without both components, the box simply ceases to exist. When we die, we rest. We're not a living being anymore. We no longer have life. It's like resting in the arms of Jesus for the believer. It's resting secure in his love. There is no consciousness, no thought processes until the day that Jesus comes. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus comes and we're resurrected from the dead. Psalm 146 speaks of what death is like. Psalm 146 and verse 4. His spirit departs. He returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. When a person dies, they are sleeping. Their thoughts perish. There is no conscious existence there. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 Verses 5 and 6, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 5 and 6 offer us further insight. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. The dead know nothing. Their thoughts stop. Their emotions stop. Why? Because death is asleep. It is asleep where we wait unconsciously for Jesus. Thank God, friends, that your dead loved ones, my dead loved ones, do not have to see the sorrows of life. Your loved one that died of cancer no longer suffers, but they are sleeping. They're resting until the glorious day of the resurrection when Jesus comes again. But we can be thankful that death is not the end. You will again see that husband that died in Jesus. You will again see that wife that died in Jesus. You will see that son or that daughter that died in Jesus. Jesus Christ is coming again. 
That day will be a powerful resurrection. That day, those who have died will be raised from the dead if they've been believers and followers of Jesus. They will be raised with immortal bodies. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air together with them, also having been made into immortal bodies. See, death is simply asleep. David called it asleep in Psalm 13 and verse 3. Psalm 13 and verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Friends, the Bible is clear that death is a peaceful sleep awaiting Jesus. Psalm 115 and verse 17 says these words. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. And back at the beginning of the book of Psalms in Psalm 6, 5. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Death is asleep, awaiting that last trumpet of God, the second coming of Jesus, when this mortal will put on immortality and we will be with Jesus forever. Friend, I know that today's topic may have been new to you. It may have even been a little unsettling, but I encourage you to study your Bible on this topic and draw near to Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. I know there are questions. What about the thief on the cross? What about Lazarus? What about those who say they've had some type of near-death experience? We will answer all those questions and more in the coming week's programs. In the meantime, let us be thankful to Jesus that in his mercy and in his grace, he came to save us. Let us be thankful that while death is like a sleep, it isn't forever. forever. Death is isn't like the atheist says, that it is simply a time of nothingness, never to exist again. No, death is a temporary pause. It is a pause that only Jesus can release. It is because he is our wonderful and merciful savior that he came to save us. Wonderful, merciful savior. Precious Redeemer and friend Who would have thought that a lamb could Rescue the souls of men Oh, you rescue the souls of men Counselor
Friend, the subject of heaven is vital because we want to be there. Part of understanding that subject is understanding what happens when we die. As a resource to help you build your spiritual library, I want to offer today to you the special edition Signs of the Times magazine that is called, What Happens When You Die? There you'll find more information than we cover today in the program, and it will certainly help you understand this topic thoroughly. Here's the information that you need to get today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. Friend, I know that today's program is a challenging program. But it is exciting to know that Jesus loves us, Jesus takes care of us, and Jesus is coming soon to take us home. I want to invite you to go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there you'll find more resources to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. You can also go to youtube.com forward slash IIWCanada, and there you can find archived programs. I hope you'll join us next week. Until then, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.